1: Pastor Philip over the last couple of weekends has actually given you out information cards and fill in the blanks because there's so much information, it's really too much, to be honest, to digest the first time you hear it or read it. But it's been some powerful information. He's done an awesome job breaking down some of the reasons why and how we know that the Bible is actually true. He's spoken about apologetics, which basically, they are reasoned arguments that justify the authenticity and the validity of the Bible and therefore, by definition, the authenticity and the validity of God. In other words, we can say, because of apologetics and the in- information that he gave to you on Sunday, we can definitively say the Bible is true and that God is very, very real. We've looked at the fact that there, there is historical proof of the events in the Bible, we've looked at the fact that there is scientific proof of the Bible's truth. And there is story after story after story of scientists who have actually gone out to disprove the Bible, who have gone out actively to prove that the Bible is not real. And the only answer that they can come back with is the fact that the Bible is actually truth. There is the consistency of the Bible across the boundaries of time, geography, and the fact that 40 different people penned the words in it. 40 writers, one author. So... Hopefully by now, through the teachings in this series, if there was any doubt in your mind about the Bible being true, those doubts are at least starting to be eliminated. Tonight, I'm going to talk to you uh, openly, I'm going to talk to you transparently, and I'll give you a prior warning that there is a fair amount of information in this message tonight which is about me, okay? I'm not making it about me, it just turned out that it is about me. And it's about me because if it's about me, it's about you. If it's about me, it's about what does that mean? Well, we're all in the same boat. And this will become clear as we're going through this message tonight. I've been on a staycation for the last six days. Actually, I actually came back to work yesterday after a nice break. It was my birthday on Monday. Uh, and so I, I took the opportunity to have some time off. i come back nice and refreshed. And I'm telling you that because part of what I like to do before I go away on staycation, in order for me to be able to switch my brain off and relax, is to get everything bang up to date. So I had everything bang up to date. I even had this message prepared when uh, I went away on staycation. Uh, and the past form is sometimes an indication of the future. Uh, in this instance, that's entirely true. I, I think more or less every time I've stood up here at the pulpit, I've said to you that I had this message in mind and then something completely changed uh, at the last minute. Well, here's a news flash for you. 3.30 in the morning on Monday, my birthday, I woke up in bed with a completely different thing in my brain. Uh, so for an hour and a quarter, I was laying in bed typing out this new message, um, which is completely different from the, from the one that I started with. Okay, so But I am, as I said, going to be covering some key points in here. But tonight, I'm not going to give you any facts and figures which prove that the Bible is true because we've already done that to a large degree and I know pastors going to be doing more of that on Sunday. Tonight I want to start with the premise and the starting point is this. The Bible is true. Okay, So we're all going to take that as fact tonight. Right? I'm not going to give reasons or justifications for it as I said because we've already had several of those put out there. But if we are saying that the Bible is true, and we are, I want to look at what that actually means to each of us. Okay? It's all right One saying the Bible is true, the Bible is factual, but what does it actually mean to me? We're proving the Bible is truth for a reason. Okay, that's, that's what's behind it. We're motivated to find that the Bible is true. Why do we need to know that the Bible is true? It goes way beyond proving that the book is a true book. Way beyond that. It has far greater implications to you and to your life. We're not just proving that the book is a true book. The Oxford Dictionary is a true book. The words in it are true. The definitions in it are true. So what? what? It's a book of words. It's a book of words that are true, but there is no bearing on my life whatsoever unless I'm desperately in need of a definition of a word. In which case, that might improve my life for a couple of seconds. But outside of that, there's no real application to my life. So saying that we know the Bible is true is an important thing to say. It's a good thing to say, and it's a good thing to believe. But that statement alone does absolutely nothing to change my life. I can even say that I know that the Bible contains instruction for my life. I can admit that, that it has instruction for my life. But again, that statement is true. It does contain instruction for my life. But stating that fact alone doesn't do anything for my life. It's accepting and realizing that it has instruction for my life and then learning and applying that instruction that will make a difference. So if you tell me that you believe the Bible is true, that's one thing. But if you tell me that you believe it's true and it's true for you, that is something entirely different. And that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. The truth is this. You don't need to understand something fully to believe it. In fact, if you approach your relationship to God in that way, that you have to understand everything about it before you commit to it, you will never fully commit the way that God wants you to and the way that you need to in order to become all that God created you to be. You will never understand everything in the Bible You will never understand everything about God. Why? Because you are not supposed to. And here's how I know that. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Okay. Okay. So I'm not supposed to understand everything about God, but I am am supposed to believe in God anyway. Yes. Now you've got it. That's exactly what faith is. It's not understanding everything about God, but it's believing in God anyway. But I want to take it one step further even than that. You don't need to believe in God. You need to believe God. There's a difference between the two. The depth of your faith and trust that you have toward God is not a display of your belief in God, but your belief of him. Belief in God is just the start. Look at this. James 2.19 You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. You can believe God exists, but not believe that he is real in your life. And to be honest... That's where far too many Christians are living their lives. And I don't say that statement lightly. I don't say it flippantly. And I don't say that to judge anybody. The day I got saved, I said that before I died, I wanted to witness one person come to know him the way that I'd come to know him, in a radical and a life-changing way. And I've seen that now several times. But I'm still looking for the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. I've had people tell me that they want a relationship With God, like I have, as though God has handpicked me for some special treatment. I'm here to tell you that the only difference between me and someone that doesn't believe God as much as I do is the fact that they don't believe God as much as I do. That's the only difference. Now, when I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I didn't do it based on my knowledge of the Bible, I didn't know the Bible. I was 40 years old and I had never owned a Bible. I didn't pray the sinner's prayer because I understood everything about Jesus Christ. At that time, I knew that he was born at Christmas and he died at Easter. That's as much as I knew about Jesus. I did it because of the peace that I saw in Molly and the fact that she told me that I would receive that same peace through his forgiveness and mercy. Now, I surrendered my life to him, accepted him as my Lord and Savior, and I was changed, I was forgiven, and I was set free. Then... I started to learn about him. Then I started to learn about him. Then I got myself a Bible. Then I started to come to know him, to know about him. I found out what he had to say about himself, about me, and about why he sent his son to die on the cross for me. But before I learned about him, I already knew him. I trusted him. I had faith, and I had trust in him And what it is that he had to say. So you see, now that makes no sense. It makes no sense. It's not logical. And I can't really explain it. But my faith came before the knowledge. Which meant that the knowledge was more than just head knowledge. Because of the knowledge that I had. Because I had a relationship, trust and faith in him. The knowledge that I gained from the Bible about him meant more to me. It was about me, what he did for me, what he requires from me. The words in the Bible were not and are not simply words to me. They are God's words. It's a book, but it's not just a book. Is this making sense? The relationship came first. The knowledge came second. I didn't wait to learn about him before I made a commitment. I made the commitment on faith, because I knew that he had to offer me what it is that I needed. I believed that he would give me peace. And that's exactly what happened. But it's at that point that I started to learn about him. Now let me tell you something. We do not at this church put on every experience to give you an hour of feeling warm and safe and happy on the outside. We do it to provide you with the environment and the opportunity to have a life-changing encounter on the inside. And then, when that has happened for you, We then give you the knowledge and the opportunity to serve so that your relationship with God can grow, so that you can grow. So the knowledge that you gain from God's word is different if it's built on a foundation of belief and faith. We should read the Bible believing that what we read is the truth and not waiting for the Bible to prove itself true. It should not have to prove itself true. If we walk into the Bible with the belief that the words in that book are true, listen to me, because this is is potentially life-changing. If we walk into the Bible with the belief that it's true, we will trust what is written about God, but we will also trust what is written by God. We will grasp the fact that God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. In the book of Numbers, it's spelled out for us real clear. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Now, when we believe what is written by God for our lives, we will apply it to our lives, and things will never be the same again. Because we will change. We will change from the inside out. Our salvation... The point where we're actually saved and give our lives to Christ will become sanctification. The lifelong process of growth and change, improvement, becoming more Christ-like. Our belief will continue to grow. Now why will our belief continue to grow? If I'm saying that you've got to have belief give your life, and then learn about him, that's exactly what I'm saying. But I'm not telling you that your belief when you first commit your life to Jesus Christ is not going to grow. Because your belief will grow. Your belief will grow. Why will your belief grow? Your belief will grow because you, we, will prove the Bible to be true. We will prove God's word to be alive and life-giving. We will prove that Jesus saves. We will prove that a life can be transformed by a relationship with Christ. And guess what? If my relationship, if my life is transformed by a relationship with Christ, your life can be transformed by a relationship with Christ. And if your life can be transformed by a relationship with Christ, then so can the life of your next door neighbour, your sister, your dad, your brother, your uncle, the person who sat on the desk next to you at work. That's just by the faith, the belief, and then the growth through the knowledge. So it's your faith. It's your unquestioning trust. It's your belief in God that comes first. And then your trust in his word increases. Because if I believe God, I believe what he tells me. And if I believe what he tells me, it changes my life. That's nothing but logic. If I believe it, it will change my life. Let me show you how this works. How transforming a life committed to Jesus Christ can be. Eight years ago, I gave my life to Christ. And here's what has happened since then. I came to America... And I married the woman that led me to Christ. We lived in Covington for a year. We attended an awesome church there. I was a stay-at-home dad for my stepson, Scotty and Kobe. Had a great time with them. We came back to Baton Rouge moved into a lovely apartment for a year we started attending Healing Place Church I volunteered there became involved in teaching in the men's Bible studies we moved to a wonderful house in Azalea Lakes I got a job selling cars at a dealership on airline I had a few different jobs in sales, insurance, operations manager a deaf signing company a loan company I met Pastor Philip when we were both coaching uh, for Upward about four years ago I actually met him here we're from 20 minutes apart in England we never knew each other there we met here four years ago I started working Working here one day a week, starting at the welcome team and helping out around the place. Then two days, took over the finances, then full-time. We had a wonderful son, Elijah. I was ordained as a pastor last March. We moved into a wonderful home in Prairieville. Life is wonderful. God is good. You see how blessed I am. See what happens when you give your life to Christ and you are obedient? Your life is perfect without a single challenge, and everything is wonderful and rosy and perfect. Is that not right? Is that not what happens? Now, you know, there are people on the outside looking in that think that that is exactly how life is for someone that surrenders their life to Christ, or at least how it should be. And let me tell you something else. For some reason, they believe that anyone in full-time ministry has got some golden ticket to a perfect, trouble-free life with no issues, no trials, no temptations or grief. And don't you dare not have a smile on your face, Pastor okay because why because my life is perfect because i gave my life to christ eight years ago now stay with me here because there's an important point that i'm about to make to you everything i told you about my life there is completely true but it's not the complete truth here's a few things that i missed out over the last eight years i came to america and i proposed to molly and she said yes But I then had to spend a year flying backwards and forwards to England because of the visa laws. Five or six trips. Cost me in total $15,000. All my savings gone, plus some besides. I was a stay-at-home dad, but I was a stay-at-home dad because I wasn't allowed to work because I didn't have a green card, so we were broke. We came back to Baton Rouge so that Molly didn't have to travel as far to work for her real estate, and we couldn't afford the house that we had in Covington. We've had financial struggles that we always made it out of, but struggles all the same. I've had two car accidents, one of which resulted in a 22-year-old friend of mine dying. That resulted in me getting sacked from my job in the insurance because it was a company car that I crashed. Before our amazing son, Elijah, was born, we had two miscarriages. Two years ago, Molly's dad passed away due to complications with pneumonia. So you see... Ups and downs. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. The very same as your life in some way or another. Am I right? Ups, downs. Ups, downs. So what's my point? Well, firstly, it's that we are all in the same boat. When we give our lives to Christ, things don't change. We change. When we give our lives to Christ, things don't change. We change. Life still goes on. Good stuff happens, bad stuff happens. But what was constant through the last eight years for Molly and I was our trust in God. And based on that trust, we could believe what God tells us in the Bible. And that is what made a difference for us. That, totally honestly and openly, is what stopped me from wanting to turn to the bottle during the tough times. Like I would have done back in England before I was saved. Instantly. So why am I saying all these things to you tonight? Simple. If God and His Word can do that for me, God and His Word can do that for you. If you trust Him. Because if you trust Him, you believe what He has to say to you. So I shared all this with you tonight, not to depress anyone, not to bring anybody down, but to genuinely give you hope. Because you know by now, that again, that I like to keep things simple, I like to keep things very real. Not harsh, but real. And the truth is this. Life happens. And there are some of you here tonight who are going through some struggle, some tough time. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Each and every one of us has situations and hurts and upsets. But as believers, we should all be able to deal with these things better than a non-believer. Your life is not perfect. The person who sat next to you their life is not perfect. Whoever it is on a Sunday morning that's coming in and you shake them by the hand every Sunday and you say, how are you? And they say, I'm too blessed to be depressed. Every single Sunday. Their life is not perfect. They have issues. Again, not to bring anybody down, but we all need to be transparent. I'm not saying tell everybody your problems, but we all need to understand we all have issues and upsets, but we should deal with them differently. Why? Because we have somewhere to turn. We have someone to turn to. God doesn't promise anywhere in his word that life is going to be easy or pain-free, but he does promise to be there for us during the tough times. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the broken He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Let me tell you, after that accident when my friend died, I read that scripture every single day, more than once, for six months. That was my absolute crutch. That was, that was to me, during that time, what a bottle of whiskey would have been when I was in England. It was what my go-to. It was my crutch. Because through that, I had to carry on. I had to carry on. I was still a husband. I was still a father. I was still teaching men's Bible study at church. Through that. But I leaned on this scripture. Not because of who I am. Not because of anything special. But because I'm not anything special. Because I need this as much as you do. It could not be clearer from this scripture. We're going to face many troubles. But the Lord comes to rescue us each time. Now it's not always in the way that we expect. It's not always as fast as we would like, but each time. What does that mean? It means every time. It doesn't mean sometimes when he feels like it. It's a promise from God. He will rescue us each time. And I can tell you that in hindsight, in every single situation in my life, in the last eight years of my life, God has always rescued me. So that scripture is powerful. How powerful that scripture is in your life, how applicable It is, to your life, is determined by one thing. And that is how much you believe it. How much you believe it. And you need to believe it. Why do you need to believe it? Because we've learned already, God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. Tells me that that scripture is truth and I can believe it. So through these tough times... We can lean on the fact that there is a reason for it happening. We oftentimes don't know during it. And sometimes something bad is going to happen to you and you will never know the reason why. We might never actually find out. And that's okay. Because remember, he says, my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. My thoughts are not your thoughts. We aren't supposed to understand and sometimes we're not supposed to even know. But we do know that ultimately God has a plan for us. He has a plan for you. Now this is an often quoted scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. Some of you could probably quote it by heart. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Again, that scripture is quoted often. But it's just words, unless we believe it. And we need to believe it. Why? Because God doesn't lie now again the ultimate plan for us is for future and a hope but that doesn't mean there won't be trials along the way the ultimate end goal the end story is a plan of future and a hope Isaiah forty-one ten says tells us this don't be afraid for I am with you don't be discouraged for I am your God I will strengthen you and help you I will hold you up with my victorious right hand and here's the truth. There have been times in the last eight years I don't know how I would have made it through without that scripture. Every challenge I have had, I have found a scripture for. Not just as some empty, comforting words, but as genuine words of encouragement, of promise, of reassurance. Let me ask you a question. If you are you know, on the fence as to whether or not it's true, I want you to imagine that if you are in a situation right now, imagine you are in a situation right now, and you hear these words... And you believe these words. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. How is that not going to get you through? If you believe it. If you believe it. Now I've got two more scriptures for you that I turn to personally and I lean on when I need them. and Hopefully they're going to encourage someone in here tonight. The first one, again, commonly used but it's normally the end part of this. It's uh, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak And strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See that in verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Trust. Belief, faith in the Lord. So the last scripture for you, and this is one of my personal favorites. Let me add this for you. When you give your life to Christ, and you're passionate about Christ, and you believe everything that God is telling you, and you get to that point where you know that the Bible is truth, the more that you believe what he tells you, The more that you grow, and therefore, the more you influence the people around you, the more the enemy will raise his game against you. You will recognize when he comes. Sometimes, as he's coming. Sometimes, as it's happening. And sometimes, not until after the event. But here's a scripture that you can press into whatever he throws at you. One of my personal favorites, and this is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Over all the power of the enemy. You have authority over all the power of the enemy. How awesome is that? You have been given that authority. God said it. And what do we know about God? He doesn't lie. Amen? So let me encourage you today. Whatever situation you are in right now, find a scripture that fits and lean on it. Meditate on it. Pray with it. Let it help you and strengthen you. And if you're in a season right now where everything's good, find a praise scripture and bring that into your day. Now, if you don't have a scripture, if you don't know the scripture for a particular situation that you are in, feel free to call the office, send me an email, send pastor an email, any of our lead team, contact us, or Google it. Because that may well be what I do when you ring me. I don't know every single scripture in the Bible. I've read them all, but I can't memorize them all verbatim. So, I may well go to Google. You can do the same thing. And now, with you, know, version and everything else, you can find any scripture for any situation. It's out there. But you need to believe in it. Ultimately, the power that God's word can have in your life is limited only by the amount that you believe it. And if you take nothing else away from tonight, just these three words. God doesn't lie. Can you bow your heads for me. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we love you so much. We thank you for all things. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that we can believe everything in the book. Every word, because you cannot lie. You are not human that you would lie, that you can lie. We know, we can trust what you speak to us, Lord God. And I pray over every person here, Father. I pray that you would touch them at their point of need, Lord. Whatever situation they may be going through right now, Father, I pray that you would lay upon them a scripture, just a touch, just a pull from the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that would guide them to where they need to be, reading, leaning on. I pray that you would give them a word, that you would give them a personal touch, Father God, so they would know that you are present the way that you tell us that you will be. Through every situation, that you will be strong and you will help us through every, every trouble that we may be going through, every trial that we may be going through. And we thank you, Lord, that we can count on you, we can rely on you, that we can believe in you, that we can trust you. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory for all things in Jesus' name. And everybody say it, amen and amen. Thank you so much for all.